the title to today's message is the aggravation of opportunity let that resonate with your spirit the aggravation of opportunity let me say it again the aggravation of opportunity now before you conjure up images of negativity in your mind because that phrase could have a negative slant I want you to understand I'm not taking us down a road of negativity today what I am going to do is give you a new perspective a new way to look at aggravation how many of you have been aggravated in your life in fact this week just being transparent I was aggravated And I began to tell God about my aggravation. You know how we do. We complain to God and we call it prayer. (laughs) It's all right. He'll listen. And as I was aggravated about stuff, God quickened my spirit and dropped something in my spirit that I want to share with you. He said it's all in how you look at aggravation. You know, he said this to me, and it's not even in your notes. This is free. This comes out of my prayer journal. He said... Why not use your aggravation as inspiration for your motivation? And that's good. I could just stay right there and preach that. Why not use your aggravation as inspiration for motivation? You see, today I'm on an an assignment from God. I've got a word for you. I'm excited about this word. I've got a word for us corporately and I've got a word for us individually. Now, as we start this topic of conversation, it may seem to be a little complex, not that it's going to be over your head, but sometimes it's easier for me to receive a message from God than it is for me to convey the message that I've received. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm going to just give to you what God's laid on my heart this week. In January, we started the year out with a series called Count Me In, which last week and this week and next week we're revisiting that concept of count me in count me into the things of God count me into the ways of God count me into being godly count me into being a godly employee count me into being a bringer and bringing people to church count me into being a giver and give to church count me into being a servant and serve the church count me into being a godly employee to being a godly father to be being a godly business owner count me in count me in somebody gonna help me count me in but you need to understand in order to be counted in you have to fully be in because so many times we want to say count me in but we allow the aggravation of our lives to count us out we allow the happenings of our lives to keep us from doing what God wants us to do we allow what's happening or what's not happening to keep us from going to where God has called us to go we want to be counted in but yet there's some peripheral things that are keeping us counted out like I want to be counted into having a great marriage but, but my spouse is aggravating me so count me out then we begin to say say things like I I just can't get any satisfaction the great words of the theologians the rolling stones I can't get no some of the older people know that song I had to google it 
And, um, man, those guys are like 80. I'm nowhere near that, you know, 40-ish. Um, so think about it. I mean, just be transparent with me for, for a moment. How many of you at times, the aggravation in your life dictates the action of your heart? Come, come on, just, just be honest. So aggravation can take up resonance in our lives and, and, and can actually be a characteristic of our personality. It's like I saw this dude this week and I said, man, how you doing? He said, I'm aggravated. I'm aggravated. I'm just aggravated. I'm aggravated that I, I, I didn't get enough sleep last night. I'm aggravated that I didn't have a lunch today. I'm aggravated that my schedule's too, too full. I'm aggravated that my wife is aggravated at, at me. And I'm aggravated that I'm aggravated. And, and you know what? That aggravation doesn't just hang out in, 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 the, in the world. It sometimes works into our spiritual lives. Like God has called me to pastor a church that runs to the need. Can I be transparent with you this morning? And sometimes in running to the need, I trip over aggravation. And when I trip over the aggravation, I begin to question God's calling. And when I begin to question God's calling, I, I, I get knocked off the course that God wants me to be on. Like sometimes it's aggravating putting together a, a message. Let me just be honest with you. Sometimes it's aggravating with all of the stuff in my schedule. It, it's aggravating when I see someone walk away from Christ. It's aggravating when God gives you a vision, but yet the vision is coming together in a slower fashion than you think it ought to. Hello. In fact, you've heard me preach a message like sometimes we're so focused on what's happening around us that we lose focus of what God is doing in us. I want to flip that today because sometimes we're so focused on what's happening in us that we lose focus of what God wants to do around us. Hello. We're so aggravated that we miss opportunities in fact you can be driving down the street and you see a homeless dude and he's holding a sign that says need food and the first thing that comes to your mind is aggravation if he had a job I've got a job I'm aggravated with my job if he had a job he wouldn't be having to stand on the street corner and so we begin to look at opportunities that God gives us like that and others. And rather than looking at them as inconveniences or, or divine opportunities or, 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 or interruptions, we just group them into the aggravation category. In fact, let me, before I ever take you to the narrative, let me take you to another passage of Scripture. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. Flip there with me. I, I know we'd start out, told you we'd start out in Matthew, but we're not going to. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes something. Just put it up on the screens for me. Here's what he says. He says, be very careful then how you live. He said, not as unwise, but as wise. It's interesting to me that Paul says the quality of our lives is determined by whether or not we live as wise or unwise. I love that. But then he says something in verse 16, making the most of every opportunity circle that making the most of every opportunity because the days are what evil hold on a second what keeps us from making the most of every opportunity the days are evil in other words the enemy strategizes ways that will aggravate you so that you'll miss out on the opportunities that God has before you are you with me because the days are evil when Paul wrote this, Paul wrote this to a, a struggling church. 
in Ephesus. And when he wrote it in the original transcript, he said, the, the days are evil, live as wise, not as unwise. Redeeming the time. He said, redeeming the time. In other words, he could have easily said, be careful with your time because the enemy is strategizing ways that will aggravate you, that will cause you to miss out on where God is taking you. Redeeming the time. Now, hang here with me for a minute because I need to talk about this word time. There are two words in the Greek language that define the word time. I've illustrated this for you many, many months ago, but I need to refresh your memory for a moment. There's the word chronos and the word kairos. Chronos time is the moment-by-moment sequential time that defines your day. It's like this afternoon at 1.30, we're feeding people who are hungry at the Dream Center. It's a true statement, but it's also a chronos statement. At 1.30, through our Ways to Love project. Chronos time would be, at this moment, my life stinks. At this time, my marriage sucks. At this moment, that's chronos time. But then there's kairos time, Vince. Kairos time is, is, is defined this way. It's at the most opportune time, at the right moment, God showed up. It's a God moment. At the right opportune moment, God showed up and provided an opportunity. How many of you have had God moments in your life? Just raise your hand. You've had God moments. Here lies the problem. Sometimes we allow the chronos moments in our lives to obscure the kairos opportunities. You see, sometimes we're so aggravated in the chronos. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Or maybe you're so aggravated that you don't even keep time by days. You keep it by hours. I'm so aggravated. It's 9 o'clock. It's 10 o'clock. It's 11 o'clock. It's 12 o'clock. Because you're so aggravated with the chronos, you miss the kairos time. You're so aggravated in your marriage because your marriage is not what it should be. You're so aggravated in your finances because your finances are not what you want them to be. You're so aggravated with your kids because your kids are driving you crazy. You're so aggravated in your career because you thought you'd be further along. And so the chronos of your life begins to dictate the steps of your life. And you miss the kairos opportunities that God has all around you. In other words, the chronos disguises the kairos. We miss the kairos because of the aggravation of chronos could it be that the aggravation in our lives is inspiration for us to recognize god's calling in our lives could it be that the aggravation in our lives is there to bring about elevation you see could it be that the enemy is trying to confine you with aggravation but god is trying to set you free aggravation Oh, hold on, it's getting good. You see, as a pastor, I can say, you know what, I might as well throw in the towel. This stuff's aggravating. You called me to do this, and and it's more than I I, I can handle. But but, but I can use the aggravation as inspiration in order to have motivation because I can begin to remember all that God's done for me in the past. And And if he's did it for me in the past, he'll do it for me now because all he's doing now is preparing me for what is next. Are you with me? But we begin to complain, I'm so aggravated in my 
marriage. I'm so aggravated in my finances. I'm so aggravated. And Let me take you to the text. Hold that thought. Matthew chapter 20. Let me read it. Verses 29 through 34. Are you there? Say, I'm there. I hope more than three people are there. Say, I'm there. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Circle as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho. Jericho, Jericho. Jesus is leaving the city of Jericho. Matthew is painting for us a picture that he wants us to see. There are some things that are happening in this text that are not written, but they're happening in between the lines. There's some aggravation that's present. There's aggravation in Jesus' life. We, we can't see it here, but we have to assume it because Jesus is on a, a tour of cities. And this is the last city that he will stop at before he heads to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, the cross is awaiting Jesus. So Jesus knows his future, so it just stands to reason that Jesus has aggravation in his spirit. Not only that, but there's aggravation in the city of Jericho. The city of Jericho is known as a place of aggravation because a 1,000 or 1,500 years before this story, the city of Jericho stood as a nemesis to the people of Israel because they were trying to go into the promised land and there was this fortified city that kept them out of the promised land. Aggravation. Jesus is walking through the city streets. And he's aggravated by the needs that he sees. Not so that he would run away from the need, but he's so aggravated that he runs to the need. He wouldn't allow the strategy of the enemy to keep him from doing the kairos. And then look what happens in verse 30. More aggravation. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Two men, blind. Son of David, have mercy on us. Aggravation. They're aggravated with their plight. They're aggravated with their brokenness. They're aggravated with their poverty. They're aggravated with the pain in their stomach because they're hungry. They're aggravated that no one will listen to them. They're aggravated that they've been shunned. They're aggravated that their voice is not heard. They're aggravated. Then, verse 31 says the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet but they shouted all the louder Lord son of David have mercy on us the crowd rebuked them what that means in the original language is the crowd said shut up be quiet the crowd was aggravated maybe they were aggravated because of the noise that the blind dudes were making maybe they were aggravated because they were looking at their own aggravation be quiet I have a job I've got to get back to work you don't have a job but my boss is overloading me so I need something from Jesus be quiet shut up because my marriage is in turmoil my spouse does not love me my kids are, are absolutely not turning out the way that I thought that they would turn out my finances are so messed up so shut up You know how we tend to maximize our own aggravation and begin to minimize the needs that are around us. 
so in other words we allow the chronos of our lives to keep us from recognizing the kairos moment son of david have mercy on me maybe we do it in a, in a different fashion maybe you say things like i'd love to be more involved in the church but but i'm aggravated with my schedule i'd love to be a giver but i'm aggravated with my finances i, I i'd love to be a person who can forgive that person but yet i'm still so aggravated with that person that i can't forgive that person I, i'd love to be able to let go of my past and move into my future but yet i'm still so aggravated with my past and so what we end up doing is we end up giving in to the chronos aggravation and we miss the Kairos opportunities that God is trying to give us. We allow the enemy to confine us when God is trying to use the aggravation to set us free. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Have you ever been where I'm describing? Six of us. The rest of you can go home. But what Jesus does here is so beautiful to me. Because what he does in this story is he shows us that it's in our own self-interest to forget our self-interest. Think about that. He's walking through the streets of Jericho, the place of aggravation. Aggravated with the future that lies ahead, the cross, if you will. Listening to the aggravation of the crowd, at the same time hearing the aggravation of the two blind dudes. And look what happens in verse 32. Jesus, after they said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. He said, what do you want from me to do for you? Hold on a second. Jesus stopped and called them I have to wonder are we hearing the cries of aggravation that are all around us every day have mercy on me are we hearing the cries of our co-workers are we hearing the cries of our neighbors? Are we hearing the cries of our kids? Are we hearing the cries of our kids' friends? Are we hearing those cries? Maybe they're not crying out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. But the aggravation in their life is so apparent that we can see that there's a huge need. Jesus says, what do you want for me to do for you? I love that question. But I have to be honest with you, I'm also somewhat confused by that question. Because Jesus knows everything. He's looking at two blind dudes. What is it that you want from me to do for you? Well, Jesus, heal us. We're blind. It seems like that would be the apparent answer. So why would Jesus ask, what do you want from me to do for you? Then it hit me. And the reason why he would ask that is because sometimes the things that we think we need are not the things that we really need. It would have been easy for them to just hang out in the chronos and say, Jesus, how about giving me some money? Uh, how about giving me some money for a meal? Because that will get me from 9 o'clock to 12 o'clock, and, and, and I'll be all right between now and then. They could have easily have said, you know, Jesus, give us a little bit of that knapsack that you've got, that lunch that you have, because that will help us get through the next few hours. But Jesus wanted to hear whether or not they had enough faith to ask him for things that no other man could provide. Let me step out of the story and let me make it a little more relevant for you. 
maybe all of the single ladies in the place. As the great theologian Beyonce would say. All the single ladies. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Some of y'all need to lighten up. It's all right. If I can stand up here and look silly, you can laugh. I'm telling you. But maybe all the single ladies, you're praying for Mr. Perfect. And you're aggravated because God has not supplied Mr. Perfect. But maybe God is wanting you to change your prayer. Instead of praying for Mr. Perfect, maybe God wants you to pray, God, do a work in my heart and change me so that I'll be perfect for Mr. Perfect. Some of you are aggravated with your job, and you're like, God, I want a new job. And God's wanting you to just open up your eyes to the Kairos opportunities that are around you. Good Lord, have mercy. That's good. Look at verse 32 and 33. We'll pick it up. It says, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Verse 34, it says, Jesus had compassion on them. He was moved to compassion. He allowed the aggravation of the need to cause him to act. I don't know if you're grabbing this or not. And he touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight, and they followed him. He was moved by compassion. He was moved by compassion. I, I love this. He, 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 he did not allow the aggravation of the city to overwhelm him. He didn't allow the aggravation of the crowd to detour him. He didn't allow the, his own aggravation to keep him from doing... He didn't allow the busyness of his day planner, the schedule that he had. He didn't allow any of the other aggravating circumstances to keep him from going to the need. And he reached out and he touched them because he had compassion. Jesus chose love. He chose love over aggravation. He chose love. Are you listening to me? He chose love. The Bible says that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to seek and to save that which is lost and to offer his life as a ransom for many. Aren't you glad that Jesus walked down your street and heard your cry and turned your aggravation into elevation? Aren't you glad that Jesus saw the messiness of your life and used the messiness to build a platform for the message? Aren't you glad that he can take our aggravation and bring about elevation? You ought to high five your next door neighbor right now and say aggravation to elevation. But here's what I need you to see. Jesus didn't stop walking down streets 2,000 years ago. Put the map up for me. He walks down the streets today. You know how he walks down the streets today? He walks down the streets today through you. We've got a map of Cumberland County up. If we were to blow it up, which don't try it, but if we were to blow it up, you would find your street. Are you walking down your street? Stopping. Looking. And choosing love. Or are you allowing the aggravation of the Kronos to keep you from the Kairos? Mm. You see, you've got to choose love. When your boss is aggravating you, choose love. 
When your finances are aggravating you, choose love. When your spouse is aggravating you, choose love. When your kids are aggravating you, choose love. When sin is aggravating you, choose love, not judgment. Why did we decide that we need to start a dream center in our community? Because we chose love. We saw the staggering numbers of homeless in our community, and we were aggravated by it. We saw the staggering numbers of sex trafficking victims in our community, and we were aggravated by it. Why do we do ministry the way that we do? Because we're aggravated by the brokenness that drug addiction leaves behind. What did Jesus do? He chose love. Why do we do ministry the way that we do ministry? Because everything we do is connected to a soul, so we choose love. Why do we do 20,000 love hours in our community? Because we're choosing love, choosing love, choosing love. Why do we do ministry the way that we do ministry because there are streets in our county and there are people living on those streets who are waiting for epicenturians if you will to say what do you want me to do for you you see you've got to understand we've got to stop trying to convince the already convinced The church is not a a hotel for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. Are you with me? We got to stop trying to make everybody who's in the church perfect, but close our doors to the imperfections that are in culture. Why? Because Jesus said it is not the, the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. And if you're a doctor and you keep the sick out of your office, shame on you. If we're a church and we keep sinners out of our church, then shame on us. You see, if a church is not growing by salvations and baptisms, it's because we have not chosen to love. Come on and help us do something incredible in our city. I I run into people all of the time. They say, man, your church is so loving. Just loves the community. Like today, Love Day. We're going to three or four different places. After both services, we've got things for you to do. We're feeding the hungry at the Dream Center. We're working downtown, believe it or not, through Fayetteville Beautiful, and they've got us doing a ton of work downtown. We're, we're, we're doing work in a couple of other locations today. We, we, we want to express love. We want to stop and say, what do you want me to do for you? That's why we do what we do. Maybe, though, right now, some of you are saying, well, Pastor Mark, you don't understand my situation. Man. I, I'm just so aggravated. I'm aggravated when I get up. I'm aggravated when I go to bed. I'm aggravated. It's just staring me in the face. I'm on the way to work, and I'm aggravated. I'm at work, and I'm aggravated. I'm with my kids, and I'm aggravated. I'm I'm just aggravated. Well, let me talk to you for a minute. Because I don't think it's coincidence that this miracle took place in the city of Jericho. I need to take you back to Joshua chapter 5 and chapter 6 for a moment. Flip over there with me. Because I need to refresh your memory as to what Jericho represented for the people of Israel. Jericho was a city of aggravation. Jericho was a city that had fortified walls that were unbreachable. Jericho was a place that was standing in between where the people of Israel were and the promise that God had given them. Jericho was their nemesis. Jericho was their enemy. Jericho brought fear 
to the heart of Joshua. Jericho brought fear to the people of Israel. And so Joshua gets alone trying to figure out, what do I do about Jericho? And God shows up. Let me say this. Sometimes you have to deal with the aggravation of now before you can experience the next opportunity. I want you to hear me because this is prophetic for someone. You, you have to deal with the aggravation of now before you can seize the next opportunity. Let me show you something. Back up into chapter 5. We'll pick it up in verse uh, 13. Here's what happens. It says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him. With a drawn sword in his hand, Joshua went up to him and he asked, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? He said, Neither. He replied, But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Circle that. Now come. I have now come. How many of you know God is a God of now? God is a God of now. Sometimes we're so focused on what's next that we lose focus of what's now. And if you are not focused on what is now, you'll not be prepared for what is next. And if you happen to get to what is next, you won't know what to do in the next season of your life because you haven't been obedient in the now. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. It's all right to shake your head. It won't fall off. So here, here is Joshua. It says says I've now come then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him what what message does my Lord have for his servant the commander of the Lord's army replied take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy Joshua did so now now go into chapter 6 verse 1 it says now Jericho now Jericho so here is, grab this picture. Here is Joshua. He's all alone. He's, he's isolated. He's away from everyone else, not knowing exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Let me give you this. God will use the aggravation of isolation as preparation for his revelation. Coming on. Somebody said, come on, I'm coming on. Think about that. God will use the aggravation of isolation as preparation for his revelation. God just gave me this. Let me add something else. God will use the aggravation of isolation as preparation for your next destination. Oh, hold on a second. This is prophetic for someone because you feel like you're all alone. You're isolated. You feel like you're fighting a battle by yourself. You feel like you're on an island. You don't know what to do. You're fighting a battle in your marriage. You're fighting a battle and you're, you're fighting a battle with friends that you thought you'd never be fighting. You're, you're fighting a battle with your kids. It's breaking your heart. You're, you're fighting. About, and you feel all alone. Let me again tell you that God will use the aggravation of isolation as preparation for the revelation. 
So Joshua chapter 6 says this. Grab this. It says, now Jericho, put it up for me. Now Jericho was securely barred. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in and out. Some of your translations, which mine does, and I like it the best, it says, Jericho was tightly shut up. Tightly shut up. You see, could it be that we cannot access what is behind the gate, if you will, without being obedient to the word? You see, the fact that Jericho was tightly shut up, you've got to grab this. The fact that Jericho was tightly shut up is only confirmation that the people of Jericho were more afraid of the Israelites than the Israelites were of Jericho. The fact that things are tightly shut up in your life is only confirmation that the enemy knows that he cannot keep you out of what God has for you. You see, the fact that things are shut up in your life is only confirmation as to what is about to go right in your life because the enemy wants things to go wrong and he knows that things are about to go right so it doesn't matter what's aggravating you because God will use it to elevate you and he'll open up the door and expose your destiny on the other side verse 2 verse 2 I gotta move verse 2 then the Lord said to Joshua see See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with the king and its fighting men. See that I have delivered Jericho. Jericho is the place of aggravation, Gary. So you can take the name Jericho out and you can write in whatever is aggravating you. See that I have delivered Mr. Perfect into your hands. husband's looking at her strange see I love this see I have delivered Jericho into your hands hold on Jericho's not been delivered yet only God can speak to the future in past tense (laughs) let that hang on you'll get it when you're on the way home this afternoon See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city. We know the story. Once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets, ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound the long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, he called the priest and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant. Back up to verse 5. I want you to see something. Back up to verse 5. So it says, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud what? A loud what? A loud what? Sometimes we need to shout at the thing that's aggravating us. Shout at it. Because when we raise our voice and use the word of God, all we're doing is bringing God into the environment of our problem. So I'm going to shout his praise. I'm going to shout his goodness. I'm going to shout his joy. I'm going to shout his peace. I'm going to shout his love. I'm going to shout his grace. I'm going to shout. Good Lord have mercy. 
I don't know what else I got to do to get you on your feet, but all I know is I want to shout. Go to verse 15 and 16. 15 and follow. Let's skip a few verses. It hit me. Let me read this verse. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army to do what? To do what? To do what? For the Lord has done what? For the Lord has given you the city. Again, he's speaking to the future in the past tense. For the Lord said, I want you to shout. Everybody shout. No, no, I said everybody shout. One, two, three, shout. So so, so I I, I saw this. I I saw this. So they're marching around the city. I'm marching around the city. I'm marching. We're not going to all do a Jericho march. We're not doing that. So they're marching around the city. They're marching around the city. Then then it hit me as they're marching around the city. You know what's happened? Their, Their genuine love for God has transformed their belief into action. You see, your genuine love for God will transform what you believe into how you act. Are you with me? Your genuine love for God will transform what you believe into how you act. You see, you may see the aggravation, but you don't have to allow the aggravation to agitate you, but rather use it to elevate you because this wall will not stop me. This discouragement will not stop me. This lack will not stop me. This problem will not stop me. This disability will not stop me because I will not allow the chronos of today to keep me from seeing the kairos of tomorrow. Come on, somebody, and give him praise. Verse 20, verse 20, verse 20. Show me verse 20, verse 20. It says, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. One, two, three. And the sound of the trumpet. When the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. (laughs) And they took the city. You see, what had been aggravating, God used it as inspiration for their motivation. Oh, hold on a second. And they shouted. Chris, and they shouted. And they shouted. Hold on. And and they shouted. 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 Oh, this may be a mess for me, but God's going to use it to bring about a message. I'm not going to allow the calamity of this problem to keep me from what he has for me. So they shouted. But, 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 hold on a second. A thousand or fifteen hundred years later, I'm not sure on the timeline because this came to me this morning. There were two dudes in the same city shouting, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
Jesus stopped him and said, What do you want me to do for you? Choose love.